Welcome to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan Small, and I'm here, um, as always, with Trent Young. I'm on my back porch. He's uh, he's uh, basking in the uh, warmth in Missouri today, and we are excited <laughs> to be here on on this day with you. So thanks for taking time to join us, Trent. Um, you know, I just finished an audiobook on Daniel Boone. And uh, he was known to have been a great shot. And somehow that has something to do with um, with something we're talking about today. Yes, you're right, Alan. And I am not Daniel Boone. I'm not a great shot. Uh, but I do like, I like the turkey hunt. And right now this is, we're in October and it's um, season, turkey season. And so I'm looking forward to going and getting me a bird here soon. But uh, yeah, you've got to, we're going to talk about target practice today and, and the things that we're aiming at. And so, you know, as you're thinking about that, as even in church, we need to be citing in the right things, right? We need to um, make sure that we are able to hit the target. If not, then what's the point of having a target if you're not going to aim at it? In fact, God, uh, he gives us the example of hamartia is missing the mark as sin, and it's a target idea. You know, if we're not hitting the target of holiness, then that is sin. There's another, there's another passage there, Alan, that we put in our notes. Would you mind reading that for us? Yeah, you know, it comes from First uh, Peter 2, and it's a reminder in verses 9 and 10 who we are. It says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one um, who, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You, have not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And... Uh, you know, Trent, we don't always start out with a Bible verse with, with our podcast, but that's such a good and rich verse to remind us that we are God's people and he's called us for his purposes. And we really need to be on target with that. You're right. And I, I think that us being reminded of who we are helps us to be more secure in the targets that we set for our church and for ourselves individually, too. And so today we want to talk about that, you know, what are the targets that you are setting or your church is setting? Um, and so let's, first of all, Alan, let's talk about the problems that we have. Um, I know that sometimes we, we have the wrong target or we're aiming at something we're not supposed to be. But so the very first one we have is one of our target problems is a floating target. Yeah, it, no one wants to. No one wants to aim at something they don't know where it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like right now it's um, state fair season, right? And you go to those things, and they've got those targets setting up, and you're supposed to shoot, and they're moving around and everything. And and I, I think sometimes that's the way it is in our churches. They're like, well, last month we were aiming at this, but now it's changed, and and so a floating target is a problem. Yeah, and you know, I, I'll admit, Trent, guys who are high visionaries like you and I, we we actually fall into this easily. Um, it's a trap that that I know I have to guard against and, and watch out for. Is the idea that yeah, what was what was big uh, for me a month ago may not be as big for me this month, and I've moved on to something else. 
And uh, yeah, I make, I make the target a floating target. And we do that when we follow fads, when we kind of follow whims or, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we want to, well, I could do it better this month. So I'm going to redefine it again. You know, so we do a lot of those things. Do you find yourself kind of tending to do that sometimes? Yeah. You know, Alan, it, it seems like it kind of followed when I went to a conference that everything changed, you know, and, or a new book comes out and, uh, and those things are not bad in and of themselves. Um, but that doesn't mean that we constantly move what we're aiming at in our church based on a book we just read or a conference we just attended. Um, and I, I think that's very tempting for pastors, especially young pastors as they're, you know, trying to figure out who they are they go to a conference and, um, and then everything changes in their church and they're, that, that really messes with people. Yeah. You know, you need to think about, about it, about it this way. You know, our, our target is that end goal that, that where we need to, where we need to be. And we'll talk about the target here in a little bit, but the, the further the distance is away, the longer the expectation is, which we're in ministry for a long haul. We, that's why we're the enduring churches podcast. The more important it becomes to have a solid target um, that is not moving around. You know, there may be, there may be some wins that cause you to change your aim just a little bit here and there, but you're still aiming at that same target. And so, you know, it's not about just following the fad or the latest book or the latest trend or any of those kinds of things. We don't want it to be floating. You really need to have a set destination, a set target. This is what I'm here for. This is why, this is why I'm here. So don't have a floating target. Trent, the second one is the wrong target. You ever aim for the wrong thing? Yeah, <laughs> I've done that, been there, done that, probably got the t-shirt somewhere. Yeah, yeah. and so um, maybe, you know, we try to aim at something that um, maybe a, a measurement of our church that that nobody else is expecting, or certainly Jesus didn't expect of us to aim at that. Um, what's the the old saying is that we, we measure bodies, baptisms, and budgets, or nickels and noses was the old old phrase. So, um, yeah, if that's if that's our only target, then that I would say is a wrong target. Yeah, I mean those those play into the target, but they're not the target. You know, I think right. we we have to remember, you know, that that balancing side. Bodies are important. Baptisms are um, important. Your budget has an importance, um, but that is not what we're trying trying to to do. In fact, if it was just about baptisms, you know, we probably wouldn't get much true life conversion is in there. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just about bodies, we're going to compromise what we have to say. If it's mm-hmm. just about budgets, we're going to violate what James talks about. And, you know, when two people come in and you see, Ooh, who can add more to the budget? And we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to fall victim to a chasing after uh, people for the wrong cause. And so you certainly don't want to put the wrong target in there. Yeah, but the other side of that is also true that some people say, well, numbers aren't important. And I would say to you that that's not altogether true either. You know, that you do have to have some measurements. You do have to know, you know, you you need to keep track of of those numbers of bodies, baptisms, and budgets. Um, Because, well, I, I will tell you, we have one of our pastors here in our association in Missouri 
that um, he is, he loves statistics and keeping track of all that stuff. And he can tell you in every part of the church what those numbers are of bodies, baptisms, and budgets. He can tell you that. But if, if that's all that we, that we think about, then we will have missed the individual stories, the individual conversions, as you said. Um, so we need those. And so anybody who tells you they're not in, those things aren't important, they're, they're missing the mark too. Right. Yeah. They're just limited. They don't give us the end result. They get us, they get us there. And, mm -hmm. and so they have that important element, but they are not the be all end all in and of themselves, just a small part uh, of, of that. You know, Trent, we've got a floating target. There's the wrong target. Sometimes people just shoot randomly and uh, they're not shooting at any target. Well, yeah, uh, there's two things, two situations here where I think this happens is when a church has been in existence for a long time and they've just been doing the same thing again and again, and so they forget to set any targets, any goals. And, um, you know, then there's others that they want to do so many things, they like, they're like a shotgun approach instead of a rifle. Um, you know, a shotgun shell has lots of tiny beads that just scatter, and they try to hit everything. And churches really aren't equipped and called to do everything. Instead, you know, to be able to aim a single shell at the target. And so um, you need to have a target. You need to have some, uh, you know, a goal of something that you're aiming at. Uh, it helps your church. Yeah, and this is, uh, you know, I'd recommend, you know, if you're struggling to know what your target is, um, I would recommend a resource for you. Will Mancini's uh, Future Church is a great resource um, to help you kind of rediscover what your target is and, and to kind of evaluate um, what what that's all about. But, you know, it's it's dangerous. Sometimes your, your, your target's floating, sometimes it's the wrong target, and then sometimes you're just kind of going haphazardly and randomly out there. And random ministry is not the best ministry. We need to, we need to be intentional as churches. We need to know what we're doing. And a good example of that is a church that doesn't have a sense of intention is all is easily distracted, you know. And and if you don't have intention, you're going to be distracted by whatever other cause um, is out there. You know, that's when churches get caught up into whether it's just a social cause and just a social gospel, or it becomes a a political thing and, and not a gospel thing, or or all those other kinds of things. We 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 just get drawn into those more easily, and then we we pick a target, and it ends up being the wrong target. So being intentional is, is super important. So it's important then for us to know what the target is. So um, what is the purpose of the target? Well, let's think about it. I, the the church is it's not just a country club. It's not just a group to get together. Uh, in, in fact, it's it's supposed to be a, a set for the glory of God and making disciples. You know, the church exists for one purpose, and that is to glorify God and to make disciples. So we need to keep that in mind. If, if we start adding other things, adding other targets, then our church is going to be confused all the time. And we're certainly, honestly, churches really struggle with making disciples. Um, we don't do that well. Um, we, we have conversions, but then those people don't ever get taught about what it means and how it is to live for the glory of God and live for Jesus. So um, we need to keep that, that target in mind.
Yeah, I think I've just been uh, singled out as a target by a bee here in my backyard studio. So uh, there's always some animal. There's always some animal wreaking havoc on me. So he's just back, <laughs> landing in my head, and all kinds of you stuff. Here, but you should have um, seen Alan was flailing around like, like what's the deal, man. <laughs> yeah, the good news is, is that when you're talking, my flailing doesn't show up on our video. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, this this B, I am definitely in his target sites. But you, you know, Trent, you're so you're so right when we talk about when we talk about discipleship, and I think one of the problems that we have with discipleship is that that we don't stay solid in our in our definition and expectation of of what a disciple is you know right. i mean simply put a disciple is a fully a fully committed follower of jesus i mean that that's in simple but but what does that really look like and i think in your context within your church is that that needs definition you need to put skin on that and you know it's kind of i i heard it once explained like this that think of a disciple as an automobile now automobiles all have the same same function there's really a similar engineering behind all of them but you know the engine may be different the body style may be different but they all kind of have that that same purpose and 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 same function and uh, i think that's that's a lot of it for your church you may define it just a little bit differently and the outcome may look a little bit different than it does in my setting um but we we really have the same purpose there which is to glorify god and to make disciples and so so you know that's kind of, that's kind of how i think of it you know trent how how do you encourage people to to kind of put skin on the discipleship side of that well, uh you know, when I think about somebody who's a disciple, you need they need to have someone who is leading them uh, because somebody who becomes a follower of Christ for the first time, they really they've heard a lot about that first decision, but they don't know how to handle the decisions in the future. So they they need somebody to walk with. And so I, that's the way I think of as a disciple, someone who is walking with. And um, there's a, a phrase in Jewish life that I think really captures that is was to be walking in the dust of the rabbi. You were supposed to be walking so close to Jesus that you were covered in the dust as he that he kicked up um, and that we need to have paired up people with people who are new disciples with somebody who's walked the ways right and can and can walk with them and so that they're and walk closely doing life life on life that to me is discipleship yeah that's a great way great way to put that and really you know uh, trent when you're putting our notes together you put some identities in here and i think those identities play into that because as you become a disciple this is what you become when you when you're on target you become a true worshiper i don't want to talk about phone worship is not singing a song <laughs> That's i don't i don't know how to explain that you know i hear so many people say well i don't really like the worship um so you don't like following jesus i mean that that's yeah. really what you're saying um mm -hmm. that you know because worship has nothing to do with a style of music that is played in your church service um yeah become true worshipers so what what is true worship trent well you, you know to be a worshiper is to 
like the word, if you break the word down, it's worth-ship, you know, ascribing worth to Jesus in your life. That's developing that relationship. Um, my wife, Dana, and I, we've been married for 32 years now. I believe that's right. She'll probably tell me it's not, that's not correct. But um, we've been married for a while. And so um, that over the time, I have gotten to know her better. I'm still learning things about Dana. And I, because of that, I'm, I'm ascribing more worth to her in my life. You know, I, I, because I learn more about her, I'm a student of her and I enjoy her more. And so I think that's, you know, we think about our relationship to Jesus. We are learning more about him. We're seeing that he has more and more worth to us all the time. And so that is worship, is ascribing worth to him. And and that means giving him our lives daily. Yeah, and that's that's then the activity of singing songs in, in church and mm -hmm. being participating in church and all those things becomes more meaningful and more powerful and more impactful um, because we we recognize it's not not about who we are or what we want. It's about giving God what he deserves and what he he requires and a church that's on target and has people that are on target is filled with people who get that mm -hmm. they're not there they're not there for their own agendas they're not there for their own preferences or their own desires they're there because they believe in a god who is powerful and, and is worthy of of all of our praise and worship and glory we give him all the time yeah I, and you know just as you said alan it's not about the music that is an overflow of what's taking place in our lives. Another thing that's sad that we don't incorporate nearly as much as we should is prayer. We don't encourage, you know, prayer. And in fact, the joke is among pastors, if you want to kill something, call it a prayer meeting, you know, and there'll be the, the lowest attendance of anything you do if you call it a prayer meeting. But in fact, that's supposed to be the, the most powerful thing that we have. And so, we do need to have a church that is filled with worshipers and that's people walking with Christ, living for him, and then the overflow happens in, in the things that we do at church. So uh, the first identity then is that of a worshiper. The second identity, uh, if we're on target, is that of, of family, uh, that the church is, is a family. Trent, um, you have in our notes here that we need to think about this collective nature why does the Bible tell us, how does the Bible tell us that that's important? Well, it, it keeps repeating a phrase <clears throat> over 70 times in Scripture. The phrase one another um, is, is used, and it's used to, to think of, of one another, to, you know, to love one another, all these things. And it's the idea of doing life collectively. We in America especially, we have this Lone Ranger mentality of, of everything but especially of our Christian faith, uh, I'm doing this myself for myself. When in fact, everything that we do, and, and we also think, well, my sin doesn't affect anyone but me. But that's not true. Our life, our sin, our love affects other people. And so we need to do things with one another. Um, we are a family and we need to live that, that out, keep that in mind. And everything we do. So aiming at targets, we've got to do that as a family. 
Yeah, if we're if we are healthy and on target as a church, it draws us together. It's something that they, you know that how powerful it is. You know, in in the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus make the comment, "Who who is who are my mother and brothers, but those who are doing the will of my Father," and that that is something that is exactly true. When we're on target, we recognize that it's bigger than us individually and we want to help others be on target with us we are working together at um you know reaching that target that is set before us well the third the yes. third identity trent oh you're going to say something else go ahead uh, yeah let me add one more thing to that because it's interesting you know when you look at the cultures around the world that that really ascribe a lot of value to family and this as a family of god your church family they're the ones who are doing the better job of reaching their nation for Christ and, and actually sending out missionaries there. And so our, our nation, our culture has at one time had that value, but that has lessened over the years. And so the, the people around the world and their cultures who value family are doing a better job of reaching their communities for Christ. I think they also find it easier to do discipleship naturally. I, I, I think that when you have that structure and that sense of belongingness, that discipleship um, doesn't have to be as much programmed as it's, it's really done, as you say, in that idea of mentoring other people, because that's mm -hmm. kind of how families, healthy families operate. We, we equip and train those um, within our own families. So it's important. Well, that third uh that third identity that helps keep us on target knows that we're we're shooting for that target. You know, are people in our church, are they worshipers? Do they have that sense of family? And then the third one, do they really view themselves as missionaries to the rest of the world? That's yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got the family that you're worshiping with, that you're serving with, but everybody else, you're missionaries to them. They're not just, well, those poor slobs outside that don't come to church, those jerks, we don't like them because they don't come to church. No, that we're supposed to be, it's supposed to be the overflow, right? And in our discipleship, everything that happens is an overflow of our relationship to Christ and missions and reaching out is absolutely an overflow of what's taking place in our lives. Yeah, we have this idea, I think, sometimes that, that if we do discipleship and we do it right, then everyone else will come to us. Mm -hmm. and, and that we want to make it a, a you come to us type of thing. And we've kind of ingrained that in our church culture. Some of that was, um, you know, really how we did the church growth movement, you know, through the 80s and 90s. Um, we, we kind of became event driven churches. And it's a really hard identity to break. It's really hard. And it's really hard to stay on target when you are an event driven church. Not that events don't have a place, not that they don't have a purpose. Uh, but that they kind of drive the ship. They drive what we expect for reaching people. The best growth has always happened one-on-one -on -one when people who are in the church go, go to their neighbors, go to their friends, go to their family, and they share the gospel in a simple way. The most powerful movements of God have always happened that way. It's not through the big crusades. It's not through the big events. And healthy churches do that. You know, I've been really convicted by something I heard uh, Dr. Tom Rainer say. 
He said the problem, the problems that are going on in churches today has everything to do with we stopped doing evangelism and we never replaced it with anything. And the idea is we just stopped teaching and stopped encouraging people to be missionaries. And that's where we, we drift and you drift off target. You drift off your theological targets. You drift, you know, you, you drift off all the targets that, that are important to you. And you find yourself not even resembling what you once resembled. And there are plenty of denominations and plenty of churches across the country that bear witness to that. You're right. Well, and think about what you said earlier about events. We were events driven and, and, the reason that is, is because it's easier. Um, not as many people have to be involved, right? It's it's short term, and all we have to do is throw money at it. And, and we think that that's going to be the cure-all, especially here in the U.S. and the church in the U.S. is we think it's all about the money. Send in the money, and we'll put it toward a big event, and we'll have people come. And that's at one time that was the case, but it's not going to be the case anymore. Well, you know, I, I've had a conversation, a, a church, churches will sometimes ask me for something and, you know, think of about a church who says, well, we don't have young people, so we need to hire a children's minister or a youth minister, and then we'll have young people. Um, that's not typically how it works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's when you decide that you're going to have a heart for, for young people. You know, it's, it's when that church says, you know what, we look around, we don't see any young people. I'm going to go friend some young people. I'm going to go to the ball games. I'm going to go to the school. I'm going to, I'm going to make, build relationships with families and, and people. We're going to, we're going to see them into our church and into our life and invite them to be part of our family. And it's, it's really when the church takes the passion for that, not when you hire someone else to do it. And healthy churches recognize that. You know, it's amazing to me. One of the trends that I've seen, you know, it was a big deal as we as we created the mega church movement in our country. Um, we saw churches swell staffs to just incredible numbers, you know, and there's still churches who have staffs that are bigger than most small churches. Um, but it's amazing to me even how in our in our mega church setting, the ones that are really healthy and really reaching people are doing it with a small number of people. Of, of, paid staff because the people are doing that work and that's really mm -hmm. what we want to see and that's where it should go yeah and alan i wanted to add something to what as you were describing what it looks like for someone to reach out for it to get young people and, and i mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts but god just keeps showing me how true this is that we will never gain regain a passion for evangelism until we regain the heart for hospitality um, you know, and that's inviting people into our lives, inviting people into our homes and, and doing life with them. Again, that's the discipleship model is, is having people walk beside us. But we don't, we don't do that. We hold people at an arm's length and, you know, we don't. And that's why we, we want to hire another person so we don't have to get, get this, you know, dirt on us. So. Yeah, maybe we were our social distancing before we knew it. Yeah, yeah, good. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, that's anyway, we've been talking about targets here today, and and the the things that you know there are problems that churches have, and and sometimes they have a floating target or a wrong target or no target at all. But we need to keep in mind that the target is for the church to to glorify God and make disciples. 
And so um, we hope that you will think through this. What, do you, what is your church doing? Is there a target that everyone knows and that everyone's aiming at? And so, Alan, uh, why don't you give them some insight on how we can be a help in setting up targets? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing you, uh, you look at, look at are people truly worshipers in your church? Do you have a sense of family? And, and are they doing that mission work? And if not, maybe you'd like to reach out to Trent and I. We'd love to walk alongside you and help you examine that question and, and look into that. You can reach out to us. There's our Facebook page. There's our website. You can also um, just email us directly, alan, A-L-A-N, at EnduringChurches.Consulting or Trent at EnduringChurches.Consulting. And we would love, again, just to walk alongside you. We can offer you some assistance. If your church is without a pastor, we, we don't mind walking alongside your search team. Um, but we are here to help you and your church endure. And we're so grateful that you took time to um, listen to us today. Um, if you have found this beneficial at all, would you please just consider um, sharing this with other people in ministry or um, lay leaders in a church that you know? We'd love to spread the word about the Enduring Churches podcast and we, we love doing this, and we love churches, and we want to see you and your church last for the long haul. So thanks for taking time to join us today, and we look forward to catching you back on our next episode.